Hello and welcome to Bright Blue Dot. My name is Thomas Jelly, and I'm delighted to be with Takunda Ushe. Takunda has excelled as a serial youth community leader in Southern Africa, where he is originally from, and as a social entrepreneur. Takunda is currently a business analyst and project manager at one of the world's leading banks. Takunda, hello and welcome to Bright Blue Dot. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you. Over the next few minutes, we are going to talk about some of the things that excite you most about sustainability. What was your first experience of sustainability? What's it mean to you and how did it start? So when I was around 16 years, I began questioning why the expectations of success around me in my community were only confined to academic or athletic success at school. The way I began to see it was that adults, such as my parents, they had ring-fenced the standards out of a fear that if we were not successful academically or athletic-wise, we were not going to be able to make a living. And I, I disagreed slowly because I was almost drawn to people who seem to be doing more than making a living. I seemed to notice that there is a group of people who I later got to know are called change makers. People who want to make a difference, people who want to do more than making a living. So I saw these people from my own high school athletic coach to famous people like Mandela and Oprah Winfrey and many other figures I go to watch on television. And I decided that I wanted myself to try and join this group of people, this change makers, at a young age. And this led me to start a program in my local community in South Africa, which later became a registered nonprofit called Circle of Influence Project Society. And it had a simple objective in the beginning. It was just meant for me to find other young people who wanted to make a difference in our community. Through a series of growth and opportunities that came along for, for CIPS, we realized that young people were really not invited to sit at the table of making positive change-making decisions. In fact, even for decisions that involve young people, such as youth empowerment, youth education, and civil participation, you'd only find that it's only our public leaders, only adults that were sitting at the table. So we began to gain support as CIPS and realized that we actually we were playing a role in sustainability because my understanding of sustainability is it's about meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own, right? As was said in the United Nations Commission in 1987. So I, I realized that CIPS was a platform for us to make sure that future generations can advocate for their own needs today. And that's what CIPS became, a platform for young people like myself and others in South Africa to say, we care about the environment, we care about education, we care about healthcare and many other topics. And we want to do something as young people today. Thank you. You rekindled so many wonderful memories from uh, 
the times we first met and worked together in 2017. From what I hear you say about working with stakeholders in the community, could you perhaps talk a little bit about uh, your experience of gathering stakeholders, why it's been meaningful and what the impact has been? My vision was to get young people to have a seat at the table in making society a better place for the different topics or themes that they care about. And um, I knew that I needed to work with other stakeholders in the community. So people from government officials, people such as school leaders and teachers, local businesses and the media. And it was a very scattered effort to get these people's attention. I remember sending random emails and cold calling people, walking uh, up to businesses and asking to see anyone who could uh, hear my, my pitch about how they should support our campaign and our program. And, you know, I received a lot of no's and enough yeses for us to progress and to be successful. I remember being invited to a private equity firm in Johannesburg who wanted just to hear how they could support our campaign because they liked that it was about young people. And they were also trying to align um, some of their, I would say, outreach to be towards young people who they saw as uh, potential clients for, for their business in the future. And this was great for me because I was having the introduction that it was important to find alignment with my other stakeholders, the government, businesses, and schools, where we, we, we would cross paths on what they care about and then what would also care about. So looking at it as a give and take situation. So I promised them that if they supported our work, they would be able to tap into a rich community of young people who are not just bright today, but are also destined to be future leaders tomorrow. And that is a very special group of people who could become loyal to, to their own businesses as well as to, to this mission to make our society a better place. I remember particularly one of the most impactful times was two of the schools that we worked with. They were cracking their heads looking for summertime programming when the classes were over, but they also wanted to engage their students in meaningful activity because the alternative was that these kids will be lured by antisocial gangs and other groups in the community, which would pretty much undo all the progress that they worked on in, in, during the school term. So for example, if you're a young girl and you're going to classes and focus on your homework, it keeps you away from, unfortunately, the predators that are you know, after luring you into uh, romantic things and, you know, there's a very high pregnancy rate. There was at this point in some of these communities in South Africa that I, I engaged with and also where I came from. So long story short, these two schools were very eager for us to bring our programming as uh, CIPS because we would give their kids something to do that is meaningful and that would keep them off the streets and keep them away from from bad prayers. So 
it was a success, not just in the sense that we were able to get people to pretty much amplify our efforts to gather young people who are all about making a positive difference in the community. But it also was a great opportunity for me to learn about what really was going on in my own community, beyond my own perceptions and biases of what I thought was happening to other children and my peers, because they had different backgrounds, different families than my own. So I got to really appreciate and to learn a lot about my community in general. Thank you so much. Thinking back to to those days when you were achieving so much, engaging the interest of a private equity firm, you're clearly somebody who had a, a solid idea of what you wanted to do and had a very good grasp of how you were going to achieve it. But I wonder if I might ask you this, what do you know now that you wish you had known at the time? I would say I would answer that in two ways. What I know now is that I was not actually trying to find young people who were already change makers, because I don't think anyone can really know that they are one. But what we were doing at the time in our efforts with CIPS was that we were affording other young people the opportunity to learn about what change making is all about. This is not something that is often in academic curriculums or a conversation at the table in most families. What do you want to become beyond making a living? Who, what role do you want to play in your community? So I now realize that was more of the, the bigger benefit of what we were doing. We were introducing change making as a norm around young people who probably would not have been introduced to that. And the other thing that I think about that I know now is that as I grow up, I have also myself become less bold and more conflicted with the responsibilities of adulting that I've experienced. So if, if I knew that life was going to get more complicated with growing up and with other responsibilities, I would have probably even gone harder on my program when I was younger. The final thing I'd like to ask you is, what questions do you still have around sustainability and ESG today? What's the thing in your mind which you're still grappling with? Right, if sustainability is about not compromising the ability for future generations to meet their own, I have a lot of questions about whether we are doing enough to invest in the future generations to be empowered for a future where they can drive sustainability. So I think sustainability can be addressed from what can we do today to address the needs we have today, the problems we have today, so that tomorrow looks better because of the action we're taking today. So that's the action-oriented side of sustainability. But I am really curious and wonder, how are we doing in investing so that sustainability keeps on being sustainability because young people today are being empowered, are being educated to be leaders in sustainability. I wonder if young people that are still in their teenage years right now are fully appreciating that sustainability is the future and they are being equipped with opportunity to begin to, to grow themselves, upskill themselves to be sustainable leaders. I wonder if there is enough focus on that. And that's, that is the one question that I would pose. You've been listening to Takunda Ushe, friend 
or bright blue dot. Takunda, thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs>